I'm very disappointed in myself. That would have made for a perfect intro. Though now I'm expecting you to actually drop said beats. Yeah, it's just never really been successful from my accounting. You could Google it on your Chromebook. That's problematic. You've got a lot going on in the brain pan right now. There's a lot of a lot of meats and and vegetables, root veggies. Yeah, I do love a good stew. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the TCAP Sloop EdTech Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and he'd have Bill Gates on speed dial if speed dial was still a thing. It's Evan Obranovic. I've been let out of the cold storage unit that is TCAP Sloop Studio and into the balmy confines of the Saban Data Center. That's a lie. It's still cold here. Who's functioning HVAC system? Debatable. Allows me the peace of mind to reflect on this week's moment of Zen. Nothing in life is to be feared, it is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. Mary Curie there for you. I'm not a deep morning thought. I know, just, just let that resonate a lot. Let that stew, as we were saying <laughs> earlier. So when I contacted you about a topic for today, uh, you brought up a uh, ticker article by um, the ticker's own Craig Manning that was titled, uh, The Chromebook Question, Do School Laptops Cost Too Much for What They Offer? Didn't have a lot of time to do uh, research on this. I did find some things, but if you want to reiterate some of the dialogue that you had with Craig and maybe some of the talking points that you'd like to bring up in regards to that question. Sure. So Craig had reached out to have this discussion based off a, uh, I believe it was Wall Street Journal article uh, about, you know, the, the same, the Chromebook question and if their value was still there for schools. And when they were referring to value, uh, they were talking about the fact that a lot of Chromebooks that don't tend to last long enough and are already being e-recycled because their value is so low at the end, there's no like resale value, which other products can have or devices. And so there's several school districts out there, especially during pandemic, who got caught in needing to find a device, needing to go one-to-one, what's available, you know, the supply chain is totally wrecked. Here you go and, oh, yep, we got this Chromebook, it's a hundred bucks, great. Give me a thousand of them, right? And uh, and that, I mean, at the time, just in time, it was wonderful. At least they could get it. They could get it out and then just really quickly found they're like, these things are already garbage or these things like are not functioning correctly. All my screens are cracking, just, well, you know, consistent you don't have problems. An infrastructure. I mean, even if you buy the Chromebooks, and I don't mean to take you off track no, here, but even if you buy the Chromebooks, you don't have the infrastructure to maintain them. You know, Chromebooks are very network based. If you don't have the network infrastructure to actually run Google Apps for Education or any of those other um, applications, they're they're not really functioning devices. Correct. And so we are very fortunate in that we have that infrastructure, which is great, but that's a great point. It's like if you don't have that, you rely on the company that you're buying from often to have some type of accidental protection or you know warranty that you can, in most cases, in that sense, send back, right? So you get a box, you get to send it back. That's all fine and good, except we know that if a student breaks it on a Monday, they still need it on Tuesday. And so mail's fast. UPS gets it there, 
but usually not, you know, within a 12 hour turnaround time and it's back there. So did the schools buy enough spares? Do I have a backup to hand to this kid? Just in the interim, I send the other one out for repair and get it back. And, and that adds a lot of stress and just kind of logistics to the whole plan. And, and then again, you're doing this and it's like, you look at the total cost in to say those cheaper devices, you're like, the companies themselves that are selling are asking like, well, is it worth, you know, a lot of times with Amazon, right? They're like, just keep it when you try and return something. Cause like you literally only paid a hundred dollars for that. It certainly brought up a lot of questions and we saw a lot of people um, close in close proximity, but just in general, meaning, you know, other schools and their tech departments struggling with this question. And so then Craig had read that article and kind of, it was funny to us internally. We obviously know more than a lot of times the outside. He's like, TCAPS uses Chromebooks, right? They 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 have a few around. We're like, yes, yes, we have a few Chromebooks. <laughs> a few. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have a few. We are totally one-to-one for every one of our students, which still hovers around that 9,000 plus mark. So that's quite a few Chromebooks. Plus we have spares, right? And backups and what's, what's out there. And so- um, And it needs to be stated. I don't know if we were K-2 at that point in time. When, I'm, I'm thinking pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we were pretty much one-to-one- three and up, Correct. Three, three, grade three and up. Yeah. So it's not like for us, you know, our, our model had already been set. We were lucky enough to have a general backbone before. Yeah. So, and we were very fortunate and this is, you know, I can take no credit, which I'm happy not to take the credit, right? This system was in place before I got here. It was great to see. Um, and then there was just conversations and I'm sure we've had this discussion right on this pod and other topics, but we were going to move. We're like, we need to go one-to-one here. You know, as I got here literally like six months before uh, this wonderful pandemic situation that we had that we've all, you know, dealt with. And, and then it was like, okay, well, we don't have time to like really thoughtfully plan this out. Let's go. We're going to buy some more and we're going to get them out there. And so that accelerated that plan. But for us, as you just kind of explained it was not this big lift you know we, we were just like okay now that k through two group we're going to add a couple more in there so that every student has one it wasn't like they were one to five they were still two to one in terms of students to device so yeah we we were able to jump up there pretty quickly and then the system so in the conversation we had that difference as i described like those cheap chromebooks that were the only ones available that they could get out we were never in that game which was, again, nice because it just provided a more quality device that the students were used to using that we had already spec'd out to last for, you know, typically minimum four years, uh, if not longer. At some points, it was just Google's update cycle that was limiting us. And that's changed, like, yearly, it seems like. When you first got them before I got to this district, so I know they were probably dealing with the two-year, like, this is great. I can use this Chromebook until it literally falls apart. And then they're like, oh, we're going to stop updating them after five years. And you're like, oh, that's a bummer. So I literally have to swap these out even if this device is good. They're like, well, you know, for testing and those things, yeah, you're going to have to because you won't update. You're like, okay. So they created this natural cycle. I get it. I guess it's a business. And then they've just increased it. Pandemic, obviously, they go, okay, we're going six now because we get it. People are backed up. You haven't got the device yet, and it's already a year in. You're like, okay, great. That works. And then it was like, now nah, we're going seven. And then uh, it was funny before this conversation with the ticker, uh, who was, you know, we're going to talk about all this value proposition. Like literally the day before I talked to Craig, Google came out, they're like, we're going 10. So you got 10 years of updates on any device that's new. And they went back like a year or two from the older ones before we will stop auto updating. 
So that pretty much hits the life cycle of anything. 10 years is, is going to be the max no matter what. So they've essentially created devices to be like, that'll last as long as the device is viable. So that was kind of pretty gonna, great. I'm not going to give Google a ton of credit no, for being altruistic. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not. Oh, a, yeah. yeah. No, but I could definitely see that that's the case. plenty of other ways, right, to, to find, you know, revenue sources from that education market. And then I think, you know, reading probably some of their own bad press as these things are coming out. And, and then just hopefully, in addition to their own, as we know, business needs, listening to the schools of being like, a lot of these schools are probably like, I can't buy a whole new set for all my students every four years just to do testing. Because then otherwise the device actually usually still works, right? So you need it just for some of those more official uses because you need that security update so that it'll function properly. So I think it's a combination of all those. Yes, Google doesn't need a ton of credit. They have plenty of money in the bank. That's probably all the credit they need. So yeah, so it's been an interesting thing. And I think you know, what the conversation drove towards with the ticker, but just in general, it was, you know, not just that piece that has ha already had us thinking is that conversation is certainly changing uh, just in terms of like, what is the right device for our students, for the schools? What is going to best prepare them, you know, for that next level? What are they going to be using moving on? we're in a flux point here. I, I think it could go one of a couple of different ways and it might inch all three of these directions at once and then you're going to see a little bit more diversity in, in what they're picking, meaning a school district, to, to best service that based on their needs, both financially, obviously just what's best for the needs of the kids and working with the teachers, um, and then, you know, a longevity plan. So, it's it's been kind of, I think, changing before our eyes right now in terms of what that conversation looks like. This is a great jumping off point because I did run into or find an article that I thought was really interesting by Lucas Johnson that was asking the same question, which was investing in technologies for student learning for principal school boards and parents should consider, which I think asks the questions that are relevant to this conversation beyond just should we be getting Chromebooks? Because I think that's really when it comes right down to it. And I think you're kind of referring to this. That's very base level. That's probably not the question you're asking yourself. Out of the, all the questions that are going on in your head, which are many, as we were talking. Okay. Too many. Yeah. Um, that is not necessarily one of them. They're a little bit deeper. There's four questions here. The first one, super simple. Why technology? Why should we be investing in technology? So, Big, broad question. Easy. Yeah. Easy question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you start with the easy ones. That's great. Yeah. And, and, and I did want to throw this out there because I think you've dropped this on me uh, last year or maybe even the year before. The Samir model. Samir. I, say, uh, I call Samir, it Samir. Samir. Yep. Oh, yeah, yep. Thank you. Um, which I'm going to let you expound on. I think we've talked about it before, but I think yeah. that's kind of the, the way we look at our processes as far as answering that question. Yeah. The Samir model been around for a while. Um, at least, yeah, I call it SAMR. Probably mm. been saying it wrong this whole time. Everyone's looking at me, but makes sense. So, yeah, you have uh, substitution, augmentation, modification, modification. and then um, redefinition. Yep. Nailed there we it. go. Nailed it. Remembered it. So, yeah, I mean. I it, did not give him notes, by the way. He <laughs> yeah, had to cut that was off the dome. Man. I know. Ooh, almost had to, to flip the phone over. And do a quick Google. But yeah, so th that's a really easy way to look at it. I think there's been tons of kind of uh, evolutions of different cycles, but you could certainly keep coming back to that because I don't think the, the principles within that fail to hold up, right? And so it's it's just a really easy way to start talking about like, 
whatever you're using. That's the nice part about it. It doesn't matter. We're not talking Chromebooks, iPads, laptops. It's just like you're using some technology. Like where does it fall on that scale? And uh, and then it's not a rating in terms of telling you that's bad or good. If you're just substituting, which people would argue, I think the best analogy I've heard for it is like a pool, right? So you talk about the pool and you have a shallow end of the pool and then it gets deeper as you go. So you're going S-A-M-R, S is the shallow end and then you're working your way out. It's fine to be in the shallow end of the pool, right? That's why I like that mod because you can say that. You're like, we all love hanging in the shallow end of the pool and that doesn't mean that whatever you're doing is not worthwhile or that. And then you just know that there's often different directions to take it or more involved ways to, to use it. You just really get a chance to kind of really look at what you're doing, where does it fall in there, and then kind of having that reflection. Oh, I'm just substituting, right? You know, I'm just typing a paper instead of using a pencil and paper. That's substitution. It's a real base level. Is that good enough, right? Does that still accomplish what I'm trying to get done? Many times it can. So it's like you don't need to hurt your brain trying to be like, what else am I doing? You know, how do I, you know, but then you can start thinking about if there's little gaps there, you go, okay, well, maybe I need to do a little bit more involvement. Maybe I need to, uh, I heard my cohort is using something a little bit different or adding this piece they found, this extension. That's really great. And all of a sudden, you know, you're wading yourself into the, the deeper end of the pool. So that's a really good kind of question to just be like, what am I doing and where does it fall? And then again, to ask yourself, like, is it still accomplishing what I need? And if so, great. And then you're hanging out there and you're relaxing in the pool at whatever level it's going to be. So that's a great way to do it. And like I said, I think there's a lot of different evolutions and questions that people have come up with from it, but that's a really base, simple way to keep referring back to what am I doing in the classroom? Like I said, why techno? What technology am I, and why? Why is it happening this way? And is that good or bad for me and my students? So the next question would be, and this is where I, I think we get into questions that are very uh, relevant to where we are as a district in our uh, tech adoption, because I think we are pretty far down the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, we're at a point now where questions about compatibility are maybe more prevalent than, than the initial question, why technology? Now we're like, okay, if we're bringing something in, how does it work with our systems? Yes. So Please, please at least ask that question <laughs> to yourself. So I why beg is that so you. important? So like we said, you know, there's the why technology, but whether you want to believe it or not, like we are everywhere, right? Everywhere you turn. That sounds scary, I, I, It is, it is, but it's true. And so it's... I guess you could, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, well, job security, right? We need it. But it's also like, man, everything needs technology now, good or bad. I don't know. Uh, until AI takes over, I guess we're going to go with it's good. So just meaning like, you know, all curriculum products now, I can't think of one that we've investigated uh, recently that doesn't have a digital component. So there you go. Anything there, how can they access it online? What does it do? How do I get the students in their rostering, right? All these questions are just kind of a must. And we're, I still feel like we're just getting to that peak of where the other folks involved, your curriculum-minded people being like, we should ask Evan or somebody in that techno, will this work? Will this work with what we already have existing? Like we have a cloud platform that lets us put all our apps in and launch it. And, you know, we're just starting to now. Sometimes people are like, oh, would this fit in the cloud? Like, to, can we roster this via the cloud kind of thing? And those are great, but that didn't always happen. We still get it missed sometimes and they come back and they're like, we're like, 
oh yeah, that one, like you have to, you know, everyone's dreaded word. You have to manually roster that, meaning like you have to type in everyone's name or, or import that. And they're like, oh. So yeah, the compatibility of just like, what are we doing? What's already existing? What are we bringing in? And is it all going to just kind of as seamlessly as possible keep rolling into the current environment we have? We might have three programs or apps that would do what the thing that you want to use does that actually does work well with our infrastructures. Really quick, and this might be tough, again, off the dome, could you give our, our listeners a sense of the hierarchy or the flow chart of the digital environment that we're trying to make our applications compatible with? So like all the, all the, the levels of compatibility. Yeah, I'm thinking about Sophie yeah. right now and kind of working, working out from there. Sophie, the data, the data queen. Yep. Sophie, yes, uh, we would be lost without her. Ooh, that's a good one off the dome. I, I feel like it it's got to be, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's probably too much. But I'm just saying, I think then to be as general as possible about it, right, so it doesn't probably hit all the key points. But right now, with our current environment, meaning all our students use Chromebooks, our teachers are using Windows laptops, but using basically everything based in Chrome, right? So it's a lot of cloud-based, web-based stuff. So that's that's the level, right? Is this cloud-based? Is this web-based? If it's a program that has to be like physically loaded onto like a Windows PC, like we have a problem. And so there's still a few out there, like these random one-off items that people are working. And right away, it's like, that's kind of question number one. Is every, are you doing stuff that's, is it all cloud-based? Can I access it just via the web? Um, that brings up its own interesting conundrum of just like, well, is your internet reliable enough in the district, right? A whole, we could dive into that for hours too. And like, so it's like, we need internet. I, I know I've said this before, internet is water, right? We need <laughs> internet like we need water because if it's nothing's connected, well, we've gotten to that point. It's like, do we just cancel school? It's not necessarily the, oh, that darn computer's not working. All right. Let's just do, you know, what we normally do. We, we try to do something fun or a little bit more innovative. We just can't do it today. It's fine. It, it kind of goes full stop. People are like, well, I, what, what do I, what should I do now? How can I do this? Can you, are you going to get the internet up like later, soon, sometimes? So yeah, to me, it's like, I guess that hierarchy starts right now with cloud-based. Like what, it, is it all, you know, it's digital, great. Like how are we accessing it? And then we can typically work from there because if it's more, like we said, a program locally installed, any of that, that's where now we're like, hmm, how are we going to troubleshoot that? How are we going to figure out how to accurate or, you know, successfully deploy this? It starts there. It has to, it almost has to be, as far as compatibility, something that's cloud-based. And as you were saying, something that works with our our rostering. So it's got to be... Um, so for the students right now, we... Uh, have pretty much totally moved to using a cloud-based service called ClassLink, which does all the rostering. So it uses a ro it has a roster server, it uses what's called the the one roster format, which we can then push it out there. So we've really pushed hard because that makes it so easy to be like, do you work with ClassLink? Can we link this with our product ClassLink? Um, otherwise, it's a lot of reliance, like we just mentioned, of Sophie um, from our data team being able to figure out, and there's always going to be, again, those one-offs that she's working with of, like you said, how does it roster? Is it just a simple, does she have to import a spreadsheet with all this information? So is she pulling that from PowerSchool, our student information system? Or, um, you know, is it 
every student signing in and creating the account, all those questions that we have to ask. But if we can pull that information, all the students right now live in that class link roster server, uh, then we're already at least a step ahead. So that's great. So even when you're looking at ClassLink, does that work with PowerSchool? Right. Does that work with Brightspace? Does that work with, you yep. know, bing, 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 yep. and so on down the line? Does that work with Google Apps for education? Yeah, PowerSchool. So you're, I would say, I would think most tech people would agree with me in the in the education. Like your SIS, your student information system, ours is PowerSchool, is the source of truth, right? So that is kind of the start. That's where all the student data is getting entered. Uh, it's where you pull those files. You can pull that data and collect a lot of data and keep it in there. So in the so hierarchy, start there. is PowerSchool under... Above or below ClassLink? PowerSchool is above. Okay. And right. then ClassLink's kind of like a useful tool that we use to then disseminate a lot of that info. But then also like it has the launch pad. Basically, it's a place we can put everything all at once so that people can get to all their lovely cloud-based, internet-based resources. But it starts like we wouldn't have the names in there, the students, any of that if we didn't have PowerSchool or some type of SIS system running. So then it goes down to all the apps yep. at that point in time. Yep, wow. easy, it's easy. So the ne the next question, and we're, we're running long, but this is, there's a lot, there's a <laughs> lot here. And this will this will be the last question. And I think something that we, the consumer way too consistently just passes, glosses right over, and that's data and privacy. Mm-hmm, yeah, so that's- privacy and security. That's a that's a big one. Is it is it secure? You know, is it going to what type of data is anything we're doing going to collect, whether it's the device itself or obviously all the programs are using? Um, and if it's collecting that data, has it been vetted to, again, keep that data safe, secure? Uh, does it use the proper protocols um, that are going to meet our standards? Right. And so it's a huge, huge task to tackle just in terms of like reviewing all these things because you think about Google extensions, those little lovely programs that run in your browser that there's always new ones coming out and people find great little ways to do, oh, I love this extension, oh, I love this extension. Well, think about an entire school district's worth of staff and then students, though we severely limit that for students just because it's too much to handle. They all want to use all these latest and greatest, and we have to try and vet every single one. So if you get through the vetting process, which is a task in itself, then you have the conversation with someone like, I'm sorry, that product that you wanted to use, that extension, is totally not safe for the kids, and I, I'm just going to block it. But usually what I think the translation through that conversation goes, you can't have what you want. So I'm making your life more difficult and you hate to do that. But that's one of those things that we always consider and you try and emphasize and, and explain that it's a lot of what drives some of these decisions we're making. It hinders kind of what you're doing. You can't be kind of as mobile, as adaptable as you want. And so that's a huge one. Yeah. And it's sure. a consideration, like we said, devices and programs all the way down the board. As you said uh, previously, your, your comparison to the Internet and water. Yeah. Well, you got to keep your water clean. And, <laughs> you and, and if you got to filter it, got to get that Brita. <laughs> exactly. We, <that's, laughs> Thomas is, we're going to start calling Thomas Brita. Yeah, that's a good one. No wonder why. He is our Brita. Yeah, that's yeah. actually really disturbing. <laughs> he does a great job. So, no, yeah. no, no, no shade on Thomas. Um, anything else that you would like to add to the conversation? So, yeah, I mean, just I think to try and circle, close the loop about like the Chromebooks. It was the Chromebook question, like, are these really of value? I think if, you are 
intentionally kind of planning out, which I think most places try and do, ourselves included, what you need the device for, what you're trying to access with it, how, again, what's the compatibility, was it work in your environment? And um, you're doing a reasonable job in terms of cost, return on investment of the device, right? So we're not buying the cheapest devices. And, you know, that's the explanation. It's like it seems maybe like that sticker shock's a little high for a, a typical Chromebook we might buy, which is more in the like $500 range. But that also comes with four years accidental protection, meaning kids can break them. You know, we don't hold them totally responsible. We obviously have the conversation, but it's not a total hindrance to it. It's like, you broke it. It was an accident. Let's fix it. We'll get you a new one. Then we're still finding that the Chromebook is our answer. But like I just mentioned, I think you are going to see, because a lot of the other companies, whether it's just anything who make, anyone who makes a Windows laptop, and certainly Apple is trying really hard. I think they had a big push when I was a kid right into the education industry they're obviously the the sleek, sexy choice. Everyone wants something Apple-related. Um, but they're recognizing in terms of cost in and return where they have to be, and, and they're getting closer too. So we're going to start to make those considerations, like I had mentioned, just what are the kids going to need when they leave here? What's that best skill set? You know, Is a Chromebook just really getting them through the day and they're not gaining any real viable skill or Chromebooks are looking to adapt to. They're trying to create staff or, you know, professional Chromebooks, they call them. Maybe they're going to adapt in time too. And you're like, yeah, you might use a Chromebook when you move on and you go to some serious, you know, tech profession. They're like, yeah, Chromebooks are great. So I think it's just been interesting. Those conversations are happening. I think as of now, I, I don't see the Chromebook not being the answer for a lot of schools anytime soon. But I think you're going to see an evolution. So it was kind of an interesting time, question, you know, conversation with the ticker and just in general for us starting to think about. So where are we at? And like, where again, like I said, are we thinking ahead? Where are we going? What's going to be the right answer and trying to plan accordingly, which never fails, right? I've, I've never made a prediction that has not come totally completely true. So I'm, I'm batting a thousand. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so impressive. you've heard it here on, on this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll be doing some picks or something later, but yeah, no, it's a really, it's a really tricky thing. You got to rely on your team and, and, you know, a great staff. You might want to bring that uh, prediction rate <laughs> up in your next contract negotiation. Yeah. I'm just saying, cause yeah. there's, there's yeah. probably some uh, valuation that might need to change. No, no, no. Cause I want the contract. So I don't want to bring up that prediction <laughs> rate because then that might skew what they want to resign me for. So it's a big thing, but it, it's fun. And it's something that, you know, ultimately is great to have the conversation because you're just trying to do what's best for the kids, for the teachers. And then, like we said, whether anyone likes it or not, tech is happening here. So we got to do our best to give them the best equipment possible. Where can people find you on the interwebs? I'm still on X, formerly known as Twitter. I see that that's how we refer to it now, right? Yeah, the, um, the, the artist formerly the, known as Twitter. The, the tagline, um, which is just my name, Evan O'Brenovic. Um, I don't peruse that as much. I'm sure many people have experienced that. But And then LinkedIn has been actually, I think, a little bit of a resurgence in terms of as a professional connection tool. So I've been using that a lot, just trying to post and connect with like-minded colleagues. So same, obviously, you just look up my name on LinkedIn. That's That's a really great place to find me now. Excellent. Well, that's where we will find you. Uh, you can find TCAP Sloop on LinkedIn, Facebook, the artist formerly known as Twitter. And hopefully, it was supposed to be last week. It's still not there. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be on Instagram and TikTok. Mark that one on your calendar. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to that. And uh, and the YouTubes as well, uh, if I can find the time. But yeah. We're going to make that happen. Uh, hey, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you're going to rate the podcast, five stars. 
We need five stars, five. not four, not three, not two. Even if you don't like the podcast and you're like one star, no, no, just slip five and stars. give us five stars. Five stars, please. Absolutely. Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast, Bullhorn, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening nice, and <laughs> inspiring. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's not what I want.